or evening, depending on when you're listening. Welcome to Mondays with Mike. And Mary. Hi, everyone. This is Mike. And Mary. <laughs> Glad we're together. By the way, if this is your first time at the podcast, welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you're a returning guest, thanks for coming back. We hope you like them enough to share them with your colleagues and subscribe and get your friends to subscribe as well. We're having so much fun sharing these ideas with you. So as you know, if you've been here before, every Friday, a Floyd Wickman team coaches our squared coaching. Eight people on a one-hour call, and not only do we hold people accountable, we also solve problems and share new ideas. So with the best of the new ideas and the problem solutions, um, on Mondays, you get to hear what we think of as the greatest hits of our previous Friday. Are you ready? And this is our way of serving that commitment we made to Floyd's legacy to preserve it and protect it and promote it and keep it going through uh, your work and our work together. You betcha. What you got today, Michael? Well, you know, we've been doing this for nine years now. And one of the unintended benefits of getting people together every Friday is the chemistry that it creates. For sure. And the bonding that happens. You know how so many of our teams are thinking of each other as their board of directors. Well, there's, there's certain things you can't tell your colleagues in the office. Well, that's true. <laughs> and there's certain things you for sure don't want your clients and your prospects to see. Or your family. Exactly. And when somebody gets off track in real estate, I think about half the time there's a real estate solution. But about the other half of the time, I've known, I've seen it to be something blowing up in their personal life. Right. That gets them distracted from the business. And so where do you go for support, for encouragement, for a shoulder to lean on or even cry on? And except to hear. Unconditional love. Un and confidentiality. Oh, yeah, because what happens in R squared stays in R squared. So I had a team, they've been together a couple years at least, this week, and literally we were all weeping together because it's, you know, everybody's life blows up one way or another at some point. And, and someone was in crisis on this call and she was willing to open up. And if you'd have heard the outpouring of love and support and good ideas and how to handle it that came from her team, uh, you'd have been proud of the way our Wickman graduates just love each other. And that, that's my parade of techniques this week. It, it was fabulous. I, st I just still can't get over it. I'm for it, you know, <laughs> as they say. It was it was remarkable. You gave me chills, and I was reflecting on a call that I had Friday, where sort of the same thing happened. Um, it's really amazing when people open up, and you don't have to be alone. A lot of people do have to be alone in this business. How many times have we said, if you're willing to give what you have, whatever it is, you'll always get back what you need. That's for and sure. this was a perfect example of that. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's really the truth, isn't it? Yeah. Well, so let's ramp up the energy because that's kind of a downer in a little way. I mean, it's a great thing, but... I want to share uh, parade of techniques that I absolutely loved. Great. We have Mondays 
with Mike and Mary, but we've got a student who's got Fisbo Friday. <laughs> Is that cool or what? Yeah. <laughs> so who likes to prospect out there? Show of hands? Oh, keep your hands on the steering wheel if you're driving. Um, yeah, most people, that's not their most favorite thing to do, right? Prospecting. Much less calling people who are going to hang up the phone, reject you outright, throw you hesitations, and that would pretty much be for sale by owners. So how do you get yourself to do what you don't want to do? I've probably said this, I don't know, 400 times. If I had to prospect every day, I would hate my life. So I believe in structuring my prospecting so that I do it at once, and then I have a break where I don't have to do it. So Fisbo Fridays is like right up my alley. I love that idea. So here's what the student said. She said, I build the list all week long, and my mail drip campaign goes out automatically, but I don't have to actually contact any of these people until Friday. And then she has a choice between knocking or calling, and I just love this idea because I think the secret to success in a, for a lot of us is getting ourselves to do things that we don't want to do. And getting ourselves to do it consistently is the, the key to success. Persistence. I will persist. And I think uh, we got some people that have started working on FISBOs and then they kind of fade away, put it off. I think this is the answer. FISBO Friday. Well, if you work on your list all week, it gives you time to build your courage up. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. I want to move on to uh, the Ask the Experts question that I've probably heard every week this year so far. But this, this particular Ask the Experts hit home with almost everybody on the team, and it's the low inventory question. Oh, yeah. And it's, I can't get people to put their house on the market because they know they can't find one out there. It's difficult to find homes to buy. That's why they won't list. What do you, what do you suggest I do? That was the question. To get my people to put their house on the market. Well, all kinds of wonderful advice. Like, the number one thing she heard was, it begins with your attitude. Ooh. You know, you're buying into this. There's nothing for people to buy out there. So you've got to stop buying into that and understand that when they say to you, we can't find what we want, they won't even know what they want until their house is on the market. If you already own a house, you're not looking for another one. It's psychologically what Floyd has always said, you know, if... If mama's got a nest, she doesn't need another nest. Huh. So psychologically, you got to move people away from owning what they own so that they can look at what they want to own next. And I like that. You know, what we, what we can protect them against is doing something that will harm them, like ending up with two homes at the same time. Right. Paying two mortgages. We can protect against that. And we can also protect against what they're most afraid of contractually, and that's ending up homeless. Or being forced to buy something they don't like. Yeah, being under pressure yep. to do that. And, and one solution was, well, list your home contingent on finding something. Oh, yeah, that'll work. That reverse contingency. <laughs> well, it might work in this market oh, with inventory right. so short. Right, because buyers are more flexible. Yeah, because... when you've got a surplus of inventory, that's probably not going to work as well. 
But in this market, it just might work a little bit better than if we had a surplus, which well, we definitely don't have. Especially if the buyer has that flexibility, like they yeah. do on the, you know, if they're a first-time buyer, for example, or living somewhere in a temporary housing and have got that flexibility. Right yeah. on. And then there's the question that you want to ask those lookers who should be listers to turn a looker into a buyer. It's why would you want to be the least competitive buyer in this market where there's multiple offers? You go in to purchase contingent on the sale of your home that isn't on the market yet. You're the least competitive in that auction. Yep. So it, you're going to way overpay, even if the seller would agree to terms like that. And why would they when they have six other people that are non-contingent? Hello? Exactly. And some of them have removed the, even the financing contingency, so it's as good as a, a cash sale. You can't compete if you're subject to selling your house. Right on. So the question is always, I'm, I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong. Remember Floyd's dialogue. I'm yeah. just a little surprised you're going about things in reverse. And we go through the buy-sell analysis, which is, here's what would happen if we did things your way and went and purchased first. So what's the solution? Well, you know, you extend the closing date. You extend possession after closing. We can do that because we coordinate the purchase and the sale. That's what the buy-sell analysis is. It is a bird's-eye view of how we coordinate a purchase and a sale so that you get maximum market value for your home and have more time than you'll ever need to find what you want. Takes all that pressure off. So here's the sharp angle question you can ask those lookers who should be listers if I could find you a buyer who'd pay you your price and let you move when you want would you consider putting your house on the market first if I could protect you against ending up homeless or having to buy under pressure and that'll start a conversation and what do they end up they get the three benefits number one they get all the time they need to purchase without being put under pressure. Number two, they don't have to move twice. They only have to move once. And number three, they get to keep the extra money, but <laughs> only if they put it on the market first. So here was my advice to this agent. Master this buy-sell analysis dialogue. And at least once a day, go talk to somebody who's in that situation. Just one time a day. And... That's five times a week. And in the next nine months, well, you can do the math. How many times would that be? The only drawback to the dialogue is it only works 20% of the time to get you a listing. So that's only one listing a week for the next 36 weeks. <laughs> so my question to her was, well, how much do you make per closing? And it was somewhere around $5,000. Okay, and what percentage of your listings are selling? Well, like everything's selling. Okay, so if you got 36 more listings for the rest of this year, by using this dialogue one day a week, one, one time a day, five days a week, for the next nine months, you made that your number one to do on your top five things to do. Get in front of somebody who's a looker who should be a lister, you'd get 36 listings times your average commission check. We're talking in the neighborhood of 300 grand in income to you. 
Could you use an extra 300 grand this year? And it all begins with changing your mindset about there's nothing out there for us to buy. I love it. There you that go. was a great twist on that. And by the way, I would propose to you that it probably works more than 20% of the time if you're mastering the dialogue. So maybe that's the percentage rate when you first begin this uh, journey, right? Yeah, let's shoot low. They're riding shadows. Uh, you know? <laughs> right. But it's that persistence again that you mentioned, you know. Do this once a day. That's all you have to do. Just once a day, five days a week. And let the law of averages work for you. I like it. Well, speaking of prospecting, I know we usually move to ask the experts now, but I had another parade of techniques, and that just beat out every other uh, situation that I heard on Friday, so I thought that's what I would share today. And it was the use of the specific person approach. Remember that one? Love it. Yeah. So Floyd invented this five-step specific person approach, right? Um, identify, introduce, ask, give them a reason. In this case, the reason is the specific person, and then ask again. And specific being the key word there. So it's not just a dialogue where you say, we've got buyers, because we all know that's what non-Wickman graduates say. We might have a buyer. We have buyers. You're way, way better off naming that person. And I don't mean with their first or their last name. I mean really making sure the customer, the prospect knows that this is a real buyer. So three or four criteria, specific details about that buyer, their age, where they work, where they live now, how many kids they have, that kind of specificness. Anyway, the reason I bring it up is three times on Friday this came up. Um, mm -hmm. In, in different ways. Um, I had three students, all of whom are trying to really master that dialogue. And so I just thought I would share with you a little bit about what came out of having that conversation three times in three different groups. Um, one person specifically wanted to work a condominium where she was working with a buyer that wanted to live in that building. So she was given advice and her question was really, how do I find the numbers of a condo, especially with people today that do not have landlines. So she she got three pieces of advice on that. One was the Coles directory. I think you have to make a one-year commitment on that. One was neighborhood.com, and the other was Intellius with one L. Those three sources for finding phone numbers of people that are in a residential area, whether it's a condominium building, up and down a street, whatever, so that you can specifically dial those people and ask them, use your specific person approach. Do you know who can help you find people? Bail bondsmen skip tracers. Ooh, <laughs> they I know like all it. the techniques. And you know, actually that comes to mind, someone else suggested their title company. Could be. You know, that some of these title companies, mm -hmm. because they want our business, will open their resources to help us find contact information. And voting so, records, too. Ooh, that's good, too. All right, so anyway, the I have a gentleman who has made a commitment to this specific person approach as a prospecting method, and here's what I love about what he is doing. He is committed to spending at least one hour a week walking 
Now, by the way, that's probably good for increased business, right? Because in circulation, increased health is increased business, you know, <laughs> especially this time of year. If you're anywhere in the northern country, you can't right. wait to get up. Hey, even in the southern country before it gets too hot. Right. So one hour a week, he's walking at least an hour. Um, he's walking particular neighborhoods where he's got buyers that are looking for homes. Um, and he's hanging a door hanger if they're not home. And what he said Friday is, oh, my gosh. People are surprised that a realtor would actually do that. And they were nice and they were kind and made him really feel good. And then I had another student that's been doing the same thing. And um, he's been doing it specifically before each showing. So if he's meeting a loyal client at a home to show them that home at two o'clock, let's say, he gets there at one and knocks the neighborhood, tells the neighborhood that he's there to show umpty ump property down the street and he's working with this specific person would they happen to know of anyone thinking of moving and by the way how about you i love that a new kind of new creative yeah. fun prospecting method you know what i like about that is it gives you opportunities to ask who's your realtor oh yeah to all the neighbors and if they don't have one that's how you build your book of business quick build your book of business <laughs> So, thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast of Mike and Mary. We have so much fun making these for you. <laughs> have a wonderful week. Yeah, and again, if you like what you hear, please share this podcast with your friends, your family, your colleagues. Get them to subscribe to it. Let's change the world together. What do you say? Amen.